the incomparable. Number 555. February 2021. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and we are continuing our walkthrough season by season through my favorite TV show of all time, Buffy, The Vampire Slayer. We've reached season six, which means I think technically we've moved to UPN. Uh, <laughs> you, what is UPN? It's uh, it's it's part of the, like, like the WB, it's part of the CW now, but they were one separate networks and Buffy moved from one to the other after season five, leaving people who only got the, um, the WB got like on their rabbit ears on their TV or something to think that Buffy just died. And that was the end of the show, but it continued. They still have angel. They're all right. Uh, yeah. Even though Buffy died though, they, they kept making Buffy the vampire slayer and, uh, that'll put marzipan in your pie plate. Bingo. Uh, yep. the, the Buffy Perfect's bots acknowledged. says I love I love that uh, because the Buffy bots out there trying to be Buffy but she's not let me introduce my panelists who are going to uh, talk about season six with me Aline Sims is here hello hello <gasps> it's gonna be interesting <sighs> it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be interesting, interesting. Uh, big size Gene McDonald hello <sighs> Huh, I'm here to bring the fun in. I don't care. Okay, excellent, <laughs> excellent. Quinn Rose is here. Hello. Hello. I was a good five minutes into a rant about um, this season before my partner stopped me and said, didn't you say this was your favorite television show? <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, it's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> and Steve Lutz is here. Hello. Hello, Jason. It's not a joke. It's just my name. So, Steve. Yes, it's This just was my your name. first time watching season six of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It was, and I'm so excited to have made it to the challenging seasons. <laughs> I was gonna, are you doing okay? Are you okay? <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure, <laughs> to be honest. I, I, was, I was debating whether to save this for the end, but I think I'm going to say it now, which is people talk to me about uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer because I do profess it to be my favorite TV show. And I will occasionally volunteer that maybe the best ending for the show was her dying at the end of season five to which everybody says, but, but, but the musical episode. And I say, (laughs) there are also 43 other episodes that follow her dying. And this Mm -hmm. is, that's a little bit mean because you know what? Season six and going back through it, season six, actually I liked it better than I did when it aired, but there's a lot of rough stuff in here and it is, dark and nihilistic and unpleasant in ways that the first five seasons aren't. Plus there's a musical episode. <laughs> so fair enough. There you go. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, I don't know. Uh, let's start with opening statements. How about that? Let's do that because I feel like we've just got a lot of, a lot of might as well get there. it all out there. Yeah, let's let's get it out there. Steve, give us as as a first time viewer of this. Uh, how are you feeling? Tell me what you're thinking. You know what? I don't know yet. <laughs> I just finished um, the final episodes a couple of nights ago, and I gotta say, as it was going along, I was actually really enjoying this season pretty early on. I mean, the tone is dark, mm-hmm. which is fine. It was a choice. Um, and it was a choice that I was pretty okay with, but as it went along more and more and more, it's just unrelenting. Yeah. And unlike previous seasons, they don't break this stuff up with enough minor victories and 
and happy moments, which, you know, generally they would throw in, even in like the, the, the deepest, darkest moments of that, that second angel season, um, you know, they'd break it up with like a comedy episode or something, something just to, you know, distract from, from the bleakness that was going on. <laughs> and I realized that's sort of the point of this season, but it's not really what I want out of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, you know, I, 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 I looked back over all the episodes tonight and I realized, you know, I actually quite enjoyed a lot of these episodes. But by the time I got to the end, I was wearing down, and that's when they really let up on the brakes. Yeah. <laughs> and things get really bad, and it's probably the worst possible time for that. So it's quite a ride. I'm not sure yet whether I liked it, but I didn't hate it. Yeah. 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 Well, like I said, I, I, I think I liked it better. Although, I will say, watching it over the course of you know, October to May... You get you get some at least mental breaks, whereas sure. if you watch it in a more compressed uh, time frame, I think maybe the darkness uh, comes off even worse. But at least I was prepared for. I, I I've come around. I've accepted Buffy and Spike and their relationship in a way that I did not accept it in two thousand one and two thousand two. Uh, maybe that made some sort of a difference. Quinn, how are you feeling? So I've rewatched the first, especially the first three. I, one through five of Buffy several times. I've never rewatched season six besides a musical episode. And so this is my first time revisiting it. And it was quite a ride. Uh, one interesting thing on my perspective of the show is the musical episode was actually the first episode I ever saw, which is not correct. Um, it It's huge. There's so much information in that episode that I knew when I went back and watched the show for real. Um so one big thing here is I knew that Spike and Buffy were going to to date from the very beginning of me watching the show. So I always had that in my head. So for me, like I never had a, that sense of like that being such a weird thing to trip me up. But going back and rewatching it this time, like and just I think understanding it more as an adult of like how dark <laughs> a lot of it is, like that stood out to me more on this rewatch is just like really dark and difficult and then overall like i think there are some really interesting themes and like character decisions especially early in the season that i think are like are they are dark but they also like are very interesting and like i think that sarah michelle gower does a really good job like she has to be incredibly sad all the time but you know she's good (laughs) at it but then i think like by halfway through two-thirds through i like the Steve said unrelenting. It's just so unrelenting. There's no relief from it. It just keeps going, getting more and more dismal. And then I start feeling like instead of doing interesting things with character development, they're just throwing character development away for the sake of the shock factor for the depressing event. And it starts, I made a list of what they did to every character in the season, and it is not fun. Um, And it makes me really sad looking at what they did to everyone at different points in this season compared to like them getting to have actual character development and happiness at different points in other seasons so overall not a fan there are some redeeming moments and redeeming episodes but no i would if i had the power i would have changed a lot about how they did this season yeah 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 and the problem with those 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 things they did to all the characters is some of them are things you can't go back from yep Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And you you can't redeem the characters at that point, and that really bothers me. 
yeah. as somebody who's become very attached to these characters, to have that done to them is is really disturbing. Well, it, it is. It remains to be seen because uh, there is one more season. But I will say that I, I noticed I was reading um, there are these amazing Wikipedia entries for each season that sort of summarize the plot of the season. And I'd never read one of those before. And it's fascinating because there's a lot of these two characters argue because they are very angry at each other, comma, (laughs) but it is resolved, period. And I'm like, well, (laughs) that is TV, right? They're very angry in the next episode. They, they, it's okay again. And then you keep going and like, there's, would that happen in real life? I don't know, but it's a show. Um, Gene, checking in with you. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I... Also had never rewatched this season, uh, except for the musical episode. And I definitely have memories of feeling like, oh, my God, you know, what are they doing, you know, to all my people? But <laughs> uh, rewatching it, I liked it a lot more. It felt like, you know, there's there's a coherence to the, the story the, and the, the darkness that uh, I think is worth, you know, appreciating and especially for um for all these characters something that they want but they can't have or something they had but they've lost and it, it shouldn't be too peppy um for our Scooby gang and their, you know, peripheral uh people and and it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it more than I expected to mm-hmm. and I appreciated it a lot more than I expected to. I can't say that I'm happy at the end. That would be sociopathic. But <laughs> I <laughs> I didn't feel like cheated that they built in all this utter darkness and then somehow it was resolved. It was not resolved. Um, and actually, I do like the ending of the season. I I I think that that was as well, like a, a, a very interesting way to go um, with, you know, the characters uh, who play out the final, like, big battle. It's not what you would have expected mm-hmm. going in, and uh, but it makes sense. So I'm okay with it. All right. And uh, finishing up the wellness check, Aline. <laughs> <laughs> what a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? Because yeah. that's yeah. good enough. Yeah. Solid. Yep. Well, that wraps it up. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> it's interesting. I think unrelenting Steve is such a good word for it. Because when I step back and I think about each character and the through line of the season for them, it's all really solid and it all makes a lot of sense. But when you smush it all together, it's too much. And I got to about halfway through the season and I was like, I don't want to watch anymore. <laughs> um, it, it, it's just, it's so dark. And like they made a very conscious choice. There will be no bright points this season. Um, you know, we'll bring Buffy back from the dead and you'll think that it'll be good, but we'll let you know from the immediate, immediate, like the instant she comes back to life, it's not going to be good, right? Like there's just <laughs> nothing. There are good, there are good lines um, here and there, but it just is so heavy and so dark. 
and so hard to watch. And also, I really take issue with the big bad of the season being three Star Wars nerds who are barely competent being like these are the people who are who are thwarting her effectively. She went up against the master and was fine. She went up against you know there are all these huge threats of um, intelligent people who think strategically. But no, it's the three nerds who throw spaghetti against the wall and hope that something sticks. That really are the the thing that's going to. Um, to get her down. And I just found that um, I just thought it was insufferable um, and that it lasted the entire season. I mean, even longer, right? Because this started last season and that it persisted throughout the entire season was just infuriating for me. Um, it It just felt insulting in a lot of ways like it this is supposed to be is heralded as a a feminist show with a feminist icon and it kind of feels like weird wish fulfillment for three socially awkward nerdy boys to be the ones who she really struggles with oh wow i disagree completely with that i think this is the moment where the show because marty Knoxon is running the show that the show completely flips around from what it was which is xander's our uh, nerd representative and right uh and that's very painful and here in season six the answer is oh these nerds are awful and they're evil and they're they're Everything they do is terrible. And although you're right that they're more successful than they probably should be, they're not the big bad. That's the thing. In fact, one of my memories of watching this season is how telegraphed it is, unfortunately, that Willow is the big bad. Like, it's very clear that the show is going to be... Are they really going with Willow being the big bad? And you get to that moment and you're like, well, yeah, of course they are. They did. So it's their typical structure where there's the fake big bad and then there's the real big bad that's revealed. Yeah, that's true. And watching this, I remember at the time I was just like, it's obvious what they're doing here is these nerds are not to be taken seriously, although they do terrible things. And I think you're right that they're, how is it that they get away for it with it for as long as they do? But I really believe that this is the season where um, like, the show has something to say about how awful these guys are and they're really awful. Like they're extremely awful. And Warren in particular is atrocious. And that, that is one of the dark places that this episode goes is the episode with his girlfriend who we saw from the lighthearted robot episode, sort of lighthearted. It was <laughs> Which dark. It was also really gross. It, 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 was, <laughs> it was gross, but it was also funny. And here it's not funny anymore. It's just no. terrible. And she dies a- a- after being made a, a slave and uh, it, it's awful, and like that. So that like Warren is is throughout portrayed, I think, consistently as a misogynistic monster. Um, but um, but they are not the big bad, right? They'll, it's really all just a setup to get you to the moment where Willow goes all like vampire Willow, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> everything is sort of in service of that. Uh, and I think I wonder if that's part. I mean, post mortem here. I wonder if that's part of the structural challenge with this and why the balance is off. I also wonder, you know, Joss Whedon, 
Um, and enough about that guy, but his, his participation in this episode or this season is the musical, which I think mm-hmm. is a brilliant piece of work, but like very clearly he went away and wrote a musical episode and left Marty Noxon with the job of structuring the six episodes that lead into it and then everything that comes after it while he just did his little episode. So the creator of the show who had kind of guided it for the first five years kind of is off doing his own thing. And I wonder if there were some structural issues that they had to deal with too, in terms of getting to that point, getting from that point, getting to the big idea of Willow as the big bad, which they couldn't sustain, right? Willow is the big bad, but she's the big bad for like two episodes. They couldn't hold it together. Um, and I think that's the weakest stuff in the in the season, honestly. They do a very good job, though, in the first two episodes of planting the seed that Willow has... I mean, Willow is solely in charge of bringing Buffy back from the dead. Mm-hmm. And she's overly confident. Mm-hmm. And she starts off by snapping the neck of a doe. Which no, is she stabs it. She oh, slits she its it. neck right. yeah. so she can get the, blood. Get the blood. And I yeah. forgot that. You know, yeah. I, I was like... It's a clue. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and throughout those two episodes, um, you know, the two-parter of the beginning... It, it comes up again and again, like, is this a good idea? Or maybe we failed because it was a bad idea. And, you know, that starts right from the beginning. And Willow never really gets the point that, um, I mean, Spike is, you know, definitely hip to it right from the beginning, which is like, you know, magic. It is, you know, that it comes with a cost. And that's in like episode three. And we see the cost Interestingly, I think, you know, they have the Willow as a heroin addict, I mean, magic addict, mm. you know, f- yeah. for a, a few episodes. I like. Oh my they- God, this was about drugs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> might, might be my least favorite thing about this season, and that there are so many yeah. things vying for it, is the painful, lengthy magic as drugs metaphor. It's not, yeah. you know how Buffy had, think back to previous seasons, how, you know how there are layers, and you're like, ha she, she nobody sees her, and now she's invisible. Well, this, it's like, she is addicted to magic like drugs. It is like drugs. It's like, there's nothing there's no art there's no cleverness it's just an after-school special it's so painful yep i have an entire rant about this because it's so it's such a poor decision and it's so poorly done yeah because i think that it, it could have been more interesting i think in the first part of this season and like leading up to the season and in the first part of this season you see willow having more and more of a problem with magic but it's set up in like this power corruption kind of way that power is corrupting her right. and it, it's not it's not an easy one-for-one analog after school special metaphor it's a little more complex than that but it could get you to the same place and instead they just decide to make it like it's so she goes to the bad side of town where her yeah. dealer is there. Mr. Rack will hook you up, baby. <laughs> oh. He's got the hard stuff. Suddenly she's in a drug den. And then from that moment on, like there is not any scene about magic that it's not a direct like Willow is a drug addict for magic. It's literally heroin. It is just heroin. Magic is heroin. That's it. <laughs> and the thing is like. This is after seasons, full seasons, of magic being a metaphor for gay love. Mm -hmm. The previous two seasons, the entire foundation of Willow and Tara's relationship. I've alluded to this rant in previous episodes (laughs) because I've been (laughs) leading up to it. We finally got got here. here. (laughs) 
We did it. I just, okay. The pre, the past two seasons, the foundation of Tara and Willow's relationship, of Willow realizing that she's gay, coming out, creating this beautiful, like, loving relationship with Tara has been magic. That's the, uh-huh. the source of all of their interactions. In the musical episode, Tara sings a love song to Willow called I'm Under Your Spell. Like, it is extremely blatant and for a lot of episodes done in this really beautiful, touching way. And then there's this whole thing where power is corrupting Willow and it's like, okay, like, yeah, the, the magic is corrupting her and it's getting more complex and it's getting darker. And then a sharp left turn to magic is drugs. And it's like, <laughs> hey, no, that sucks. You can't do that. In addition to it being stupidly on the nose, I I don't like that they used Willow for their addiction storyline because I like badass witch Willow. Yeah. And once (laughs) she's an addict, she's permanently sidelined from ever doing that again because now she's, you know, recovering. And she she will forever be in recovery. And anytime she uses magic, then she's fallen off the wagon. And I I don't want to lose that part of that character. And it's just one of the many other things that that, uh, are one of the many character decisions that I think were just completely wrong. And, And it's not like Quinn said, it starts out like I believe the idea of escalating like she's going she's so ambitious to do good things that she starts mm-hmm. being arrogant and and that like when Giles calls her out on it it's a great scene because he's like you know she's like hey I'm so great I brought Buffy back and he's like you have no idea what you've done that part I really like because it's her confidence and wanting to do good and motivated from a good place that is understandable for Willow um and, and then later it's like, I don't know. I don't know what happened, whether they kind of ran out of things to do or they wanted to turn it dark in a way that was a mistake. But like, it goes from being a, a, a complex motivation, but not like, I want more power and I, I like the high of it, but more like, I'm trying to do good, but I'm now telling lies to myself. And I'm, it, you know, this is about me overreaching and there's going to be a cost. Because that that part of the theme of this whole season, I really like. I, I want to say, because we, we get down, especially on what happens in the last half of the season, I think the decision that bringing, so you start the season and your main character's dead. And the decision they make is, well, it's a supernatural show. We're going to bring her back to life. But they don't make it happy. They make it sad. Mm-hmm. Willow has overreached. The big snake comes out of her, all those things. She congratulates herself later, but like, it's really bad. Buffy coming back to life, she's in the ground. It's horrifying. She has to claw her way out of her uh, out of her grave. Everybody pats themselves on the back because they've all assumed that you can see it. Uh, knowing what's coming, you can see the dialogue being planted. And I think it's Willow who plants it, who's like, she was probably in some kind of hell dimension. And then everybody picks up on that. Right. Which leads to that moment where she says to Spike, I was in heaven. I was happy. I was done. And Willow brought me back. And that, that as a creative decision for this season, did not just have it be about Willow's overreach, but about the the act of bringing back your main character is a tragedy and not a triumph, yeah. I think is brilliant. It's unfortunate where Willow's story goes from there, but that aspect of it, what a decision to have it be sad that Buffy's back. And, and strictly by comparison to where she was, this is literally hell to her yes. now, which yeah. is it's fantastic and very tragic. And, and I think it's a great move. And in fact, I think a couple people have alluded to it, but I think the overarching plot of this season I think it's pretty dang strong. I mean, for all of its for all of its problems, I I was sort of gripped by this season in ways that I haven't been in a couple of seasons by Buffy. Last couple of seasons, you know, I've kind of I, I'd watch a couple episodes, 
And then I'd go away for a while and I'd be like, oh, I should get back to Buffy. And this one made me continue to watch it, even though it was kind of painful at points. So it, it does have its strong points. And I think that's definitely one of them. Yeah, I think structurally, it, it also the plot is pretty solid. It's just what happens to the characters and, and the unrelenting tone problems of it being. Also, by the way, uh, the comedy uh, relief episode is Double Meat Palace, which uh, which my recollection is that so fans gross. hate Double Meat Palace. I'm just going to say it. I think Double Meat Palace is hilarious. I think it's an amazing episode. It worked for me, but everybody hates it. I think the idea that Buffy is working at a fast food restaurant and they plant all this is it's Jane Espenson wrote the script. It's brilliant. All the things that would normally happen in a Buffy episode. Oh, the this guy's suspicious and the, the, the people keep disappearing and all of that. And Almost all of it is like, no, it's just a fast food restaurant. They're actually that horrifying in real life. <laughs> and then it's the old lady who ends up being a monster who tries to kill people. Like, I yeah. I think it, I think it's brilliant, but people didn't like it. So. so let me weigh in on Double Meat Palace, Jason. It's probably my second favorite episode after the musical episode. <laughs> and the reason why is this is the closest the show comes to what it used to be. Yeah. It's a horror episode. I mean... Yeah, but part of what 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 always made the show so enjoyable to me is it's that mix of cheesy horror and cheesy drama. And for a, a while, that horror has been gradually taking a back seat. But this season in particular is almost entirely about the characters' interpersonal relationships. And occasionally they'll throw in 30 seconds of Buffy punching a guy in a rubber suit. But the rest of the time, it's like it's more like Party of Five plus Vampires or, uh, <laughs> or Dawson's Crypt or something. <laughs> but, but there is literally only one episode that even tries for creepy. And yes, it is this comedy episode, Double Meat Palace. Yeah. And it's it's like a throwback. And particularly coming in the middle of this season that's so dark. I don't know if the new network just like they had demands or they had a much smaller budget this year or they were just playing out of ideas. But where the rest of the season isn't really Buffy the Vampire Slayer anymore, this is. And I did also, my final bullet point on this particular episode says, now that was a fun, funny, good old-fashioned Creature of the Week episode, and I bet I'm the only one who really liked it. So <laughs> High five, Steve. I kind of already knew. <laughs> it's not that I didn't like the episode, but when I started watching it, and I think I mentioned this on Slack, I was like, it grosses me out every time you know you get to like the show like the cow and the chicken and they get blended together and then I'm like not hungry for a day <laughs> but I had forgotten until I got to the end of that episode that there is no meat in double meat patties absolutely no meat in those patties and then now I that show that episode doesn't gross me out as much anymore it's supposed to gross you out though I mean that's the whole point and the big twist is that it's made of vegetables it's not meat that's, That's the, right. Mm, the and horror. that initial walkthrough of the restaurant by Manny, the manager, is just so surreal and <laughs> weird and wonderful. And he's such a great character. And the, the grill cook is a great character. It's, 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 I just love that episode. I thought it was fantastic. Now Double Meat Palace could rebrand as um, the new Impossible Burger and make mm. bang. <laughs> uh -huh. Now I, I recognize even more that Double Meat Palace is, is basically in and out, but uh, except with chicken. <laughs> Which is super weird. Anyway. Right, and an old lady with a giant penis growing out of the yeah. mm -hmm. Which Which is referenced in dialogue a few episodes later when yep. Willow recounts what's happened on the show this season. Sure. Um, anyway, I, that is the comedy episode. And I think that it's telling that the story was so dark and maybe going in places that fans didn't want that my recollection from 2002 is that uh, 
people despised that episode and and I was like, "Oh man, I remember liking it, but let's watch it again." And I was like, "Oh, I still do, I still do like it. It is, but it, it's the last if if that doesn't work for you, you know, forget it because that's the last moment of lightness, really. Yeah, that's it. For the back half of the season is just kind of bleak. And that um, is the midway point right there, the end of Double Meat Palace, is. and then it's all downhill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the price of Buffy's death being, you know, being the big arc of the story and having, not to get a little meta, but having killed off your main character to bring her back at, at a cost and have it kind of wreck everything. Like, you wanted her back, well, you'll get her back. That is that is a very horror movie kind of thing, right? Like, the, there was a price to be paid. But, like, the season does make good on that. You could really view everything that happens in this season is precipitated by bringing Buffy back from the dead. And, like, you know terrible things happen like yay she's back but um you know she's she's miserable and everybody else is miserable and i don't know if that's a fun show to watch but i do appreciate it as a dramatic choice that they did it let's before we go too much more with the storyline i mean the uh the next big thing other than like the pipes breaking and buffy finding out that she's broke um i, I would say the big thing that that happens in the first part of the season is the musical episode, Steve mentioned it. Everybody always says, like I said, but the musical episode, um, which we should talk about. I, you know, I, I think it's legitimately brilliant. And there have been a lot of musical episodes of TV shows since once more with feeling the difference is, and I like them. I've, I've watched a bunch of them and I like them. The difference is there's usually like a song or maybe it's a handful of songs that tell you things about the characters on the show that you're watching. The difference with Once More with Feeling is the first six episodes are setting up all of this character drama and people are keeping secrets. And it's all constructed so that in episode seven, they can't help but sing out what they're feeling and reveal all the secrets. So when you get it to the end of the episode, everybody's looking at each, at each other like, oh boy, <laughs> like this is what a disaster <laughs> this is. And, and, and so the act of the musical episode it's not a standalone break from your storyline it is in fact i would say pivotal to what happens the rest of the season yeah it escalates everything yeah yeah so the songs are catchy and i think they're brilliant and i think the choreography is fun and i think every character gets their moments there are some moments in there like with spike where it's like i think it's literally the best of spike is him singing about his feelings (laughs) about buffy in that episode but um but anyway that's that's what I think is that I think what really makes it brilliant is that it 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 is a part of the season and important to the season where most musical episodes it's a lot easier to just sort of say I'm this character and I'm going to do stuff that's familiar and then they move to some other character and that's not what I get out once more with feeling. Yeah, which is why it was really weird that my parents showed me this one first and then we went back and watched Dress's show. <laughs> they knew they were just trying to get us hooked into it because we like musicals. But yeah, no, I love this episode. I've seen this episode so many times. Um, I love the music from it and was like very attached to it in my childhood, um, which is a fun thing to be obsessed with when you're 12 is the Buffy the Vampire Slayer musical. But but I, I think you nailed it right on the head is like this episode made every show think they had to have a musical episode, yeah. but they kind of failed to grasp what made this work so yeah. well, which is that it has a purpose. The function of the songs like push forward the narrative in a way that it wouldn't have gotten pushed forward without this function of like people feel compelled to tell the truth in these songs. Um, and that's what makes it so 
like beyond just like the fun singing and dancing everyone's doing like that's what makes it so good is because it does have so many character moments so many people getting to shine and it's so pivotal to the plot of the season yeah every time there's one of these big uh episodes that i've heard of for years and years from fans i always go in with kind of a skeptic's eye you know thinking well could it really be that good and maybe if it's not that good maybe i can come in and be the a-hole naysayer that gets to tell everybody (laughs) it's not that good but no, at the end of this, I wrote down, yeah, that was terrific because it, it really is superb. <laughs> like you, Jason, I really appreciate that major plot points are unfolding during this silliness. And in fact, I think it probably moves things forward more than any other episode of the season. For sure. Which is which is really something. I mean, I could argue that it's structured that way where they like they literally, Joss Whedon was like, episode seven, this is what's happening. I'm going to go away all summer and write it. You guys figure out everything else. And they're like, all right, well, I guess nothing else can happen until episode seven. <laughs> and and it, But it's, it's smart the way they did it too, because they, they, they gradually had everybody, you know, be having secrets from each other, uh, you know, some more mm-hmm. interesting than others. But but the way they built up to it, I think was great. The, and, and the only thing that I feel like would have made it better, I feel like it would have been more resonant if it had been later in the season and more things had been building up to this. But, you know, they had all that darkness to get to, so I can see why they did what they did. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's so good. And it's surprising, you know, that the cast does a pretty solid job. Um, Sarah Michelle Geller has a nice voice. It's a bit thin, but she's she, she's she really carries a tune. Amber Benson, her voice is straight up gorgeous. Yeah. She is really impressive. Um, Anthony Head is pretty solid. He's he was he showed it last season, and I think everybody else manages fairly well. So considering you've got a big ensemble cast, they do a good job with it. I, and 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 uh, I also want to give props to I don't even know if this is a real voice, but Marty Knoxon as the parking ticket woman. Yep. Yes. <laughs> has a beautiful moment. It's it's the two uh, the two producers of the show. Uh, and David, David Fury, Fury as the, man. is the mustard man, and and Marty Knoxon <laughs> as the parking ticket. <laughs> yeah. And so one thing that, you know, is interesting about this idea that this moves everybody forward, but one person is is clearly not singing in or hardly singing in this episode. That's Willow. Yep. Um, Allison Hannigan said she wouldn't do it. I don't know why not. Like, I, I haven't tried to research that because, you know, they... Anyway, obviously she has a couple of lines. Including oh, is that, that why one. she has the filler line? Yeah, the filler <laughs> line. She says, "I think this one's mostly filler." Yeah, she didn't want to sing, and and that was so. So she doesn't. Interesting. So if you think about like what would it have been like if Willow had you know an equal part in the the musicality of the whole thing, um, because her character is very sidelined in this episode, and it's it's Tara singing about you know Willow putting her under spell. And Willow doesn't get to sing about, let's say, her feelings about having brought Buffy back from the dead. We just hear Buffy, you know, basically telling Willow, you know, I was in heaven and you pulled me back. It's just that bit of it is uneven, you know, by design. And I would have liked to have seen more of that. But otherwise, I love the hell out of this musical episode and... I listen to the soundtrack pretty much all year um, because it it sort of fit with like pandemic mode of like, you know, <laughs> every single night, the same arrangement. Um, <laughs> and confession, I am hashtag team Spike since, you know, a long time. And Spike's contribution to this episode is incredible. And he is the one who grounds it at the end. And 
the fact, you know, that as they say, you know, we know this kind of thing is going to end up in, in, you know, a big kiss scene. And of course, it's going to be Buffy and Spike, and it's their first kiss. Um, I th- I'm pretty sure it's their first kiss. It's definitely, yeah. you know, the, well, the it, first time. Except for time. the couple of times that they were, you know, lovers with this a spell on them in previous right. seasons. <laughs> sure. Exactly. Yes, it is integral to the story, but even separate from that, just the, 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 the message of the songs and the, you know, the, the point of view and, and the pathos of the characters, which is like, we're trying very hard to do the right thing and we can't. It's very well-developed music and, and lyrics. And so, yes, I will always like it um, or love it, as it were. And it will always be season six to me. I will always go back to season six, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, when I watched it the first time with the rest of the episodes, I was like, that was great. And then I went back and watched it again after I'd seen the whole awful thing. <laughs> And it was really great. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it becomes that much more like heartbreaking after you've watched everything else unfold. And the, 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 the songs are much more poignant. And uh, it's, it's just superb. Can't say anything else. Yeah. And just the, since Gene mentioned Team Spike, like Spike's song is, I mean, Spike is a fun character and there are funny things in that. But essentially... It's his message to Buffy that he really does love her and he's tired of her playing with him and not taking him seriously. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's all there, right? Like that, that's, that's, and all the characters' songs are like this, right? The, the, the very fun Xander and Anya song, yeah. uh, which is right out of a 40s musical. Um, that is, pastiche, la- it, it is laying it right there, which is, oh, this relationship is headed for trouble, right? Like it's all there. I'll never tell. Uh, and, and, you know, you, that can go for every character. Giles throughout the season, I haven't even mentioned this, but you know, Giles is basically not in most of this season. Um, and so his songs are very much like, what's my place, uh, even though you're you're back, you know, I I don't know if I've done my job, if I should leave or I should stay. Like all of that is, all of that is percolating for him. Like everybody gets those moments um, that are to the core of their characters, in, including Buffy. I mean, right down to Hey, I Died Twice. Just amazing. <laughs> just amazing i am a big fan of the i died twice thing becoming a running joke throughout this season it's pretty good <laughs> uh, anyway I, I said my piece i i think i think it's exactly true it, everybody else was like oh we could do musical episodes and they generally don't get it i would say the show that i've seen that did the best job of doing a musical episode that meant something is the magicians the difference there is the magicians just uses um covers of famous rock songs and so they get the credit for having it matter to the characters and the plot and the story arc. But, you know, in the end, it's like, here's a David Bowie song instead of it being like, literally every song is written for these characters and it all matters. And I don't know if we're ever going to see as, as fun as it, fun as it is to see Turk and JD sing about their love for each other on scrubs. It's not the same. <laughs> okay. It's not the same. I like uh, sweet. I want to mention him too. the, our, our villain who's never, I think, yeah. I'm not sure if he's ever actually named on camera, but the villain that is the, he's just the personification of song. And what he does is he makes you sing out everything you're feeling and then you start to dance until you die. And that's like, 
like Steve said, it is quintessential Buffy in that way too, where it's horror, but also silly. And it's like a, a premise that's there to cause character things to happen using a horror kind of premise. And I like that guy. Um, and I like that he oh, gets his so own cool. number. <laughs> he's so dang cool. Yeah. And, and so Michelle Trachtenberg, yeah. who plays Dawn, doesn't sing, but she dances. And so they have, mm-hmm. first off, they have her start her number and then they put the 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 mannequins or whatever they are, put their hands over her mouth and take her away before she can sing her number, which is really funny because she isn't, she doesn't want to sing, but she can dance. And so they have her dance, um, mm-hmm. which is, which is great. And you get a little mini ballet number in the middle of this mm-hmm. thing too, which yeah. is nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, I mentioned Giles. How do people feel about that? I mean, Anthony Stewart Head, such a key part of the first five seasons, and he's he's in it at the beginning. Uh, he leaves before they resurrect Buffy. He comes back long enough to be in the musical episode, essentially, and then he goes away again until the finale, basically, or the cliffhanger. It's an awesome cliffhanger, by the way, of the penultimate episode of the season where he steps in and says, I'd like to test that theory. It's a great yes. moment. But we don't get a lot of Tony Head in this season, which is sad because uh, he's great and Giles is great. But um, I wonder if that's part of the reason that that also I'm down on this season is is there's not enough Giles. How do people feel about Giles? Was he just busy or what? Because, like, why? Why? <laughs> I think they, I think he wanted to be in it less. And so they made him recurring. I think that that's it. I think he mm. wanted to go home to England um, after doing five years and they, they made a deal to have him be recurring. So he didn't have to be there for the full, however many months it is that they shoot 22 episodes of a TV show, most of a year. So I I, I, ha- I don't know that hundred percent, but I think that's what I recall is that he just wanted to be, he wanted to work less in California. And I think it makes sense from a narrative standpoint that he's not there. I mean, they are in college and over five seasons in, you've got to do something to shake things up, right? And one of the classic ways to do that is you change up the, the cast a little bit. And I could see him still being there full time, but I don't think it's, it's not like he left at season two, right? And was like, well, I've taught you for a year um see ya so (laughs) there's that but i do i i miss him and i do think that he would have been um in another universe a more kind of reasonable grounding force to kind of keep the things that we all seem to dislike about this season from getting quite to the point where they are but even season five he, he the character i think the writers were smart enough to be like why is he here? And have the character yeah. really be like, why am I here? <laughs> so then in this yeah. season, they're like, all right, well, we'll send him back to England for a while. I miss him terribly when he's yeah. not there. But uh, And the reasons for him leaving at the time that he does are awfully contrived. I mean, yeah, he's not really generally needed anymore. But right now he kind of is. This is kind of like the worst time that Buffy's ever gone through. And he's decided that now is the time that she can stand on her own two feet. And they throw in this thing where she decides to not uh, upbraid Dawn for her Halloween shenanigans as the reason that, you know, like it's a very small thing that he he he's disturbed by that makes him decide that it's really time for her to stand on her own. And it... I don't, I don't think it really works for me, but it does give him the opportunity to come back in and save the day a couple of times. And right. that's always great. Well, and he also left, or Buffy also left to go meet with Angel during 
some kind of something. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, you deal with it, Giles. It's the crossover episode nobody gets to see. Yeah, yeah. So Because now, as of this season, they're on different networks. And so in both Buffy and Angel, they mention going to see each other at an undisclosed location, and then they come back sort of shaken from their meeting. And it's never depicted because they were on different networks, which I, I think it's kind of a fun way to do it, right? Which is like, well, it happened. Of course it happened, but we can't show it to you, so... You know, they had to at least make a reference to it. <laughs> yeah. but I did go and look to see which crossover episode I should go watch on Angel. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wait a minute, nope. what? Nope. I did the same thing, episodes. and I was like, hmm? <laughs> I do remember the whole like phone call, and it's like Buffy's alive. What? And he leaves. Yeah. And you're like, wow. Oh man. And then and Buffy has the same thing. It's like, well, what will happen next week? And the answer is no, nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> it was mind. intense. Suffice it to say, it was it real was, intense. It was. It was intense. Yeah. That's right. But and, and on a network somewhere between UPN and the WB. <laughs> That's right. Okay, let's see what else what else it, it, it gets it's really bad at the end uh, in both ways. We mentioned the nerds. There are big bads. It's Jonathan who we've seen before um who, you know, there there's very various levels of reluctance. Jonathan seems to want to be the conscience of the conscience of the group. Uh Andrew who is a new character sort of it's almost like they tried to bring back a character from the previous season, and when they couldn't get him, they just said, oh, he's his younger brother. Yeah, Tucker's brother. Right. Yeah, it's Tucker's younger brother. And then Warren, who was from that the robot episode, and he is the clearly the leader and the worst of them. He's kind of an awful guy. And the, in that episode, Dead Things... You know, he basically wants to enslave his old girlfriend from that other episode, and uh, and she ends up dead. It's gross and it's really bad. And you know, in the end, they've got gadgets and they've got magic and stuff like that. Um, and they send various demons and things here and there, sort of chaotically. But they're not. I would say they're not really very good at their jobs. But they don't ever seem to get caught because nobody thinks to look in the basement of where they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody ever guesses the basement. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, of all of the, um, they're not really big bads here. They're really more like the mini boss yes. of the season. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, of all of the ones that they've had throughout the history of this of the show, this is like the most ridiculous and comic booky. Mm-hmm. And they even they even hang a lampshade on that. Oh, yeah. in uh, in the institution episode where you know they say, yeah, you know, you've fought all these these uh, these demons from hell and all these uh, gods and whatnot in the past and now you've reached the point where you're just it's just nerds. you know you've you're fighting a bunch of nerds don't you see how ridiculous this mm-hmm. is in that episode in that same um conversation they also point out that the show is no fun anymore right yeah. <laughs> the doctor says stuff about how like the the character like the characters of your life no longer bring you comfort and i'm like yeah you're telling me yeah <laughs> yeah they know things have gone off the rails by this point yeah. in the season and then in the end the the very last episode when rupert returns and they have that moment where in the back room and buffy is 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 Recapping running down all of the ridiculously <laughs> tragic and terrible things that have happened and they just laugh for a straight yeah. 30 seconds i mean that's that's also mm-hmm. the showrunners going yeah we kind of we <laughs> took took this a little too much. that episode normal again now I don't think they would have done it. A modern show wouldn't do it quite the same way. I feel like a modern show would try to play the game of like you. She just suddenly is in her her fantasy world of or or real world or whatever it is of being in the institution. And I I feel like a, a modern show would like just keep you there and and have you guess. Whereas she just keeps getting cut back and forth. But I kind of love that episode because yep. not only does it end with her lapsing into a coma and making the show the show's like 
maybe this whole show you're watching is a fantasy because it is literally a fantasy. Yeah. But I do love yeah. the fact that it goes back and forth and she's like, it, it hangs lanterns on all the things. It, it questions the premise of the show. It questions what's going on in the season. Like, I, I think it's really kind of brilliant. And also the dramatic thing, the, the moment that you don't expect, it's almost like the flip side of having Buffy's resurrection be a tragedy instead of a triumph is when Willow hands her the, uh, the, the, the potion that's going to, uh, cure her of her poisoning that's making her see this and she thinks about whether she wants to live in her life or not and she dumps the antidote out because she doesn't want to live in this life she she li- literally buffy has seen season six of buffy the vampire slayer and decided <laughs> she would rather be in the institution locked up yeah oh just wait it's gonna get worse buffy yeah i've yeah. seen this particular um setup done a couple of different times in different places uh this is a pretty well done one i think overall particularly with the 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 ending you know does kind of leave it up there that you know maybe legitimately she has just lapsed into a coma and now she's going to live out her life in this fantasy world sort of brazil like um but but in particular i i really like that twist at the end where after buffy has thrown away the potion she's she's come to the conclusion that she has to get rid of her friends yeah. in this fantasy world to return. And I was really kind of hoping, you know, maybe they're going to draw this out for a couple of episodes. Maybe instead of the Willow thing that we all see coming, it's going to be evil Buffy. And that could be interesting. Um, but alas, it was not to be. It's, no. it's, it's resolved quickly by the end of the episode. Um, but it, this episode really worked for me. There are very few that I put a little star by that I wanted to talk specifically about, and this this was definitely one of them. We get Joyce. We get to, nice to see Joyce again. Mm, yes, and yeah. I love the fact that the little pep talk she gets from Joyce is what finally turns her around at the end. I right. think that's a nice right. moment. I think yeah. that was well done. Right, and they, they play they play it all, in the institution. She plays it like, oh no, what have I done? I've 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 said the wrong thing to my daughter. But I like to believe that what really is happening there is Buffy's own conception of her mother. And her love for her mother is the thing that's giving her the pep talk. And mm-hmm. like, and you can read it either mm-hmm. way, but I think it's a beautiful moment that, that Joyce is speaking to Buffy and saying, Buffy, you know, you need to embrace your life and, and, and live it. And, and it's, a, it's a nice thing. I forgot totally about this episode. And uh, it's a hard one to watch because this is not a crazy example of what it's like in a psychiatric ward. It's except that your parents get to visit you all the time. That's not <laughs> usually done. <laughs> but and and or that the, the the doctors rely on your parents, you know, to to snap you out of it, whatever. But I thought to myself, like, you know, oh, in some alternate alternate universe, uh, this is the final episode of Buffy, and you know, we find out after six seasons that this is what's been going on, and it's completely plausible. I mean, that you know. This is a hallucination of a girl who's just been pushed too hard. I mean, it has been a ridiculous five and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> well, the mind is, is uh, can be very powerful uh, creating scenarios when it needs to. And so, yeah, it was. I, I was glad that, that Buffy didn't just take the, the potion and, and come back from it. I was right. glad they gave it one more, you know, round with her getting ready to kill all her friends Tara being the uh the the hero mm-hmm. of the moment you know I love seeing Tara do magic even if uh Willow is is currently has her hands tied behind her back all right um we got to we got to get to it so um 
Some terrible <laughs> things happen. Yep. One of the worst things ever, let's say. Uh, yeah, I had forgotten. So in the Slack uh, a couple of days ago, Steve said, oh my God, I just watched Seeing Red and everything terrible happens in there. Yes, I'm very angry with this show right now. Yeah. <laughs> I had forgot. I know what happens at the end of Seeing Red, which is that Warren decides... I think that maybe is a fair question that why hasn't it not happened until now, which is, could I just shoot Buffy? <laughs> would that yeah. would that solve this? Because she sort of thwarted his plans um, and he and he comes back. He, she defeats his magic that makes him powerful and stuff. And he comes back with a gun and he just shoots her and he shoots her. But he one shot goes off high and kills Tara. So I remembered that part. And I think this is one of the very, um, one of the, earliest high profile uh killing of gay characters in order to affect other characters on a show that has become almost a cliche and been criticized for the last 20 years um i had forgotten that this is also the episode where spike tries to rape buffy yep yeah i forgot Mm -hmm. that too oh yep my last bullet point of the ones that I wrote down for this episode, and I just wrote, what a shitty episode. It almost ruined the whole season for me. And I've gone on this particular rant before, but this has been annoying me for a couple of seasons now. But season six, I think, reaches new heights, which is that they seem to delight in being as cruel to the characters in this show as possible. Like, for instance, Xander doesn't just find out Anya has had sex with Spike. He has to actually see it happen in the presence of all of his friends. Right. And there are a lot of past examples of Willow walking in on Oz with his werewolf girlfriend and a variety of other things, obviously all the angel stuff. But, you know, this in particular, Tara and Willow, they've worked through their issues. They've gotten back together. They're at the peak of their happiness. Yes. And so, of course, Tara gets shot and killed instantly right in front of and on Willow because, of course, she gets splattered with blood, which Willow has to walk around in for the rest of the episode and the next episode. Oh, and of course, they leave the corpse there to traumatize Dawn for an entire day. Yeah. And it just, it makes me wonder if somebody behind the scenes isn't working through some sort of pathology. <laughs> oh, you think you can you can find love, do you? Well, you can try, but it will always end in tears and blood and betrayal. And it's just, it's at some point, you're not just being cruel to the characters, you're being cruel to your viewers mm-hmm. when you do this kind of stuff. I think more more likely they just got a ton of adulation for the angel stuff in season two, because that's pretty nasty too. Uh, but that was great because it was unusual um, and therefore shocking because the show was still kind of this happy-go-lucky show at the time. And so that really worked. And I think they've just been chasing that dragon ever since. You know, everybody really loved all that angel stuff. But... At this point, torturing the characters like this has become rote. It doesn't work anymore, and it's just its just painful to have to sit and watch. What they do to everyone, <laughs> let's be clear, everyone, but like specifically in this episode, killing Tara like that is so devastating on so many levels. And it's re- interesting contextually because Buffy was such a groundbreaking show in depiction of gay characters and lesbian relationships on television and then they became like one of the most prominent offenders ever of the barrier gaze trope adding insult to injury in that they actually withheld amber benson from the theme song even though she was effectively a series regular for like two seasons now until the episode when they murder her um just for the extra shock value um is so hurtful 
okay. Um, yeah, it's just really, really sad. And the scene in which Spike attempts to rape Buffy is horrific. It's so much longer than I remembered it being. It goes on for so long. It is absolutely brutal. And the thing about the scene, besides the fact that it is so much more brutal than it has to be from the perspective of like what you're doing to your viewers in Mm -hmm. that situation, narratively, it doesn't have to be horrific. Well, okay, it's horrific that this happens. Let me just, that's not what I mean. But like, if in terms of narrative setup, that can be a thing that happens, that Spike does this absolutely horrible thing um, that granted exists in the context of a relationship that is extremely violent and self-destructive on both ends but then this is the culmination of that to to a level that is like far beyond anything that has happened previously um because of the power imbalance that happens into it and how far it's taken and you know they know where it's going right what they want is a precipitating event that makes spike realize that he's such a monster Yes. That he that he goes on a quest to get a soul. That's the thing is th- th- this exists to set up Spike's little quest uh-huh. to redeem yep. himself. And that it was is what un- is unforgivable about this is that it's setting a him up to be redeemed, to be better. It's it's okay that he tried to rape her is what the show is going to try to tell you because he feels really, really bad about it. And he's going to go fix it. Oh, my God. Right. Well, the impression I got was he was going to get his chip removed. Well, that's, that's it's, the fake it's out. It's a twist that he gets, but I don't think he was asking for it, but I haven't seen season seven yet, so don't ruin it for me. But. Well, no, I mean, uh, knowing that that's what it is, if you watch it again, you'll see that the dialogue has been written to be taken the wrong way, but it's very clear oh. that that's what his quest is, is to get Buffy what she deserves, which is having him have a soul. And and to Quinn's yeah, point, not, not only is not only is it gross that, that it, it this the scene of uh, him trying to raise her is to set that up but uh and the way it's done is really brutal but like there is probably something here that is not as intense as this that implies spike committing enough of a transgression that he has realized he's a monster and he can't be around her anymore like this that is not but it is not what is in this episode (laughs) even if they had cut this scene short a little earlier it it could have worked, but it does. It goes. It seems like it goes on for freaking ever. Yeah. It it doesn't even really make sense, honestly. I mean, well, I mean, it's it is kind of a a, a follow on from the horrible relationship they've recently been no, having. But they were in a relationship. That it's not. But the particulars of this relationship, I mean, is it's it's been violent. It's it's been incredibly unhealthy. They have superhuman powers, you know. Like the, the I don't know, like. Whatever. I just felt like it was a disservice to Spike. It re- um, yeah. It, yeah. It, in the same category of being cruel to your viewers, um, you know, this is the moment where everyone, like myself, hashtag Team Spike, I'm right there with you, Gene, who have been kind of thinking, you know, maybe there's a way he can redeem himself. Maybe they're smart enough to make it, make it this work out in some way. And no, sorry, guys, you took it a step too far. There's literally nothing you can do at this point. Yeah. Now that you've now that you've taken this step to completely redeem Spike in anybody's eyes, and it's it's a real shame. I mean, he is evil. I get it, but having seen it, <laughs> it's going to be tough. I got to tell you. <laughs> I think one of the gripes I have, one of 
the many, many gripes I have about the season is really is the Spike and Buffy relationship. Not because it's necessarily unrealistic, but just because it's another toxic thing um, where it's like he's and I've I have actually been in a relationship like this, which is maybe why it grates me so much. But she's telling him stay away and then she goes to him and he keeps pushing toward her and not listening to her and not respecting boundaries when she sets them. And it's just this awful, toxic goo. And it's really frustrating for me because I also, I really like Spike. I think that he is an interesting character. I think that, you know, he's like, he's the little vampire with the heart of gold who doesn't want to have the heart of gold, you know, like he's the deeply sensitive, emotional, whatever. And, you know, I kind of, I like that. Um, And I don't like that this season makes me despise both of them so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And there's also quite a lot more rutting depicted in this season than I really was hoping to see. <laughs> a, lot of, uh... a lot of very, very uh, explicit sort of grinding motions and movements. If you would ask grabbings. me before I rewatch this season what my memories of it are, I would say, I don't know. It's really dark and gross and Spike and Buffy are having kind of unpleasant sex that they're both sort of not into, but sort of into, and it just keeps happening and everybody's miserable. Like that's my memory of season. And there were also, there was a musical. (laughs) Like that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I just think that the scene when Buffy comes to him and says like, I'm ending it, it's because I'm using you. Mm-hmm. Finally, she gets to a moment of personal insight. And, you know, it made me admire Buffy a lot more. And of course, I could totally understand Spike saying like, oh, I heard this song before. Calls him by um, his name. I think that's yes. a, a really under underappreciated moment where yeah, she says... She makes him feel like a man. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 it, I, you don't deserve it. I'm treating you badly. I'm using you. I'm not interested in you. I can't keep it going. I'm sorry. Goodbye, William. You know, right? And it's like, wow. Like, it's the it's the right thing to do. That should have been it. Like, yep. that should have been it. And then he should have said, like, I've got to, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave. I, I got to go to Africa and have a beetle go up my nose now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to over, over, uh, over, overstate my case for Spike, you know, which is is quite motivated by my own personal interest in spike at somebody <laughs> who, who was it that said like it's like but they have no they have no chemistry it's me who had the chemistry <laughs> and t- and uh as quinn said and, and as steve said in recapping it like tara and willow are never happier we finally get them back together yes everything has sort of fallen into place for willow and tara um, it's hard not to view that moment not only as as really kind of cruel to the audience and the characters, but also just a you know a box that needed to be checked, a button that needed to be pressed in order to get, how do we get uh, evil Willow, Dark Phoenix Willow? Well, we're going to have to kill yeah. Terra, and so let's make it as tragic as possible. And it's <laughs> and it I mean as we said earlier, there are probably other ways to tell the story of the path that they go down, but that's not where they went and it's so it's so terrible and it's the second time this has been done to Tara by the way 
last season she was rendered, you know, mute or right whatever. by by uh, by Glory. Glory sucked out her brains for a while. Right. Yep. And that was the motivating force for the end of that season. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, this episode started so promisingly, too. My first bullet point was, oh, yay, Amber Benson finally made the credits! Yay! Exclamation yeah. mark. <sighs> uh, so Willow strips Warren's skin off. <laughs> this uh, is a thing you do. Uh, he deserved it. Like, I'm okay with he, that. He, he did. Yeah. I mean, you're, so, not, you're the heroes. You're not supposed to do that. But if anyone nah. deserved it, it's, it's Warren, right? Yeah, but it was a mistake to have her make the big speech about how the good guys don't do that right before it. And then after it happens, she comes <laughs> back and says, well, maybe he did deserve it. It's like, no, well, then why would the speech? <laughs> the whole time when they keep going like, you can't kill him. And I'm like, sure you can. Um, <laughs> yeah, Xander's absolutely right there. It's like, we we kill evil things. That's what we do. Yeah. yeah. And this guy qualifies. So we we haven't actually gotten too much into like Warren um, and... What I think is really interesting about the way that he functioned this season is I think a big theme of this season is like the monstrosity of humans yeah, and like the humans as the monsters and like Buffy's very concerned that she's come back somewhat monstrous from coming back from the dead. There's like lots of interplay between like, who is the monster? What does that mean? And then like, this is the clearest depiction of that is like, Warren is a monster. Yeah. Um, even though he is a human. Just a man, but he's still monstrous, right? Right, because right, Buffy's convinced that she's been brought back wrong, and then she's like, oh no, I'm just human. That's what's wrong. <laughs> oh my God, Jason. We're the monsters. We're the real monsters. <laughs> yeah, we, we're the monsters all along, Steve. Oh no. And I will say, as much as I uh, dislike most of the season and hate the sort of lead up to this episode, I honestly think a lot of this episode when Willow is pursuing Warren really works. The way that, Willow's like first sort of episode of of Evil Willow where she's just in shock and she's gone full like superpower mode, but she's like barely speaking. She's not telling anyone what happened. She's like Mm -hmm. shut down and is just sort of methodically doing what she has to do, like going to heal Buffy, going to kill Warren. I honestly like I was on the edge of my seat watching this and I was like, this is tense. Um, Allison Hannah didn't. Again, is doing a good, great job with it. Like, there's all these tension between, like, is this going to destroy Willow if she kills him? Like, all and them trying to like stop her from doing it. Like, I yeah. think it works really well. And then when I think Willow gets all like weird and quippy, it completely falls apart. But this part I thought was cool. I no, I I agree. I think there's something in this that is is good. And I feel like I've said this about other seasons on the incomparable of other shows, which is sometimes I think I, I think I just did this about Star Trek Discovery, where it's like they get a really good ending and they're like, oh man, well, what are we going to do to get to that point? And then yeah. getting there is the problem. And the yeah. final resolution is like, oh, I see what you did there. They want to make her dark, dark Phoenix, Willow. They want to, they want to have that moment. And it is a, gr- I think, brilliant moment where what she says before she kills Warren is bored now, <laughs> bored now, just like <laughs> that callback, yeah. Willow. Right. And the whole idea was this, you as a vampire is you. It's not, not you it is you and here here she is in all of her her uh, brutality also she doesn't talk about tara to the point where other people don't know tara is dead yet mm-hmm. i thought that was brilliant yeah i think quinn i think you're right you're spot on i think that's such an accurate depiction of shock and grief you know i definitely have been in those situations where it's like okay i can't i can't focus on the event that is causing all of this to happen. I just know that there's like this series of events I need to get through. And then 
once I get through them, I can fall apart. But now is not the time for that. So I'm going to compartmentalize and not think about that. And I'm going to take care of these things. And then later on, you know, and maybe Willow wasn't thinking about later on, but like later on, I can fall apart. And I think that that is so true to life. And it's not unlike uh, Buffy in the previous season with the body where she just goes into you know, this is the mode where we go to the coroner and we yeah. go pick up Dawn at school and then she doesn't really fall apart until the next episode when she actually, you know, breaks down into tears. But it's, it is, uh, it is an interesting depiction, uh, I think. And I also think um, looking back, you know, at the time, I didn't really enjoy it much, but I actually kind of dig these last three Evil Willow episodes. And it's really unfortunate that the irritation I had from what came just before kind of colored that for me because... I even kind of like the Quippy Willow. I think it's fun that she gets to do that. Um, you know, I, I, I love the image of her riding the semi-truck and driving it into the back of the ah, police yeah. car. Um, and I, I, <laughs> I even think the final denouement where, um, you know, Xander saves the day and turns her hair back to red with love is surprisingly touching. I, I think that the only way, I mean, I was watching the last episode and thinking, right, how do they end this? Like how, because Giles comes with the power of the whole coven from Devon. It's fun to say, and uh, coming from Devin. and and they they battle for a while, but you know she's so powerful and she takes all the power from him, and he's laying there on the ground. Maybe he's going to die, and it's like how how are they going to solve this? You know, I don't remember. Does Buffy? It doesn't really make sense. And the answer is yeah. The answer is Xander, who who this season is is more of an adult than he has been in the entire show. I think in part because the nerd. Uh, mantle gets taken over except to the... for the one stupid and notable exception well of but... course <laughs> right which is which is yes the, the, there's a whole episode in which that is detailed right but but he's more more a reasonable adult and uh lives down the bad thing he did right and and sort of says the right things uh, even though he also says some wrong things and makes Anya very angry. We haven't even talked about that part, but um, but here at the end, what does he do? He just stands there and, and says, "I love you, Willow. I've loved you since you know we were kids in kindergarten." Broke and, the yellow crayon. And yeah, and if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna destroy the world and kill everybody, why don't you start with me? And who would I be with other than you on the last day that the world is here? And I. And it is. I mean, I know you could say it's super cheesy because it's just love conquers all, and it's the what the only power that can stop the impossibly powered person is a hug. But it's kind of beautiful and kind of like I, I kind of like how that is the way it ends. Is and of course there's the you know dialogue where Giles is like, "Bah ha ha, yes!" But the plan all along was to attach her to the coven, which would attach her to her human side again. And it's like okay, but in the end, it you know Xander is willing to die. Um, to stand between her and killing the earth and it's 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 sweet and, and we'll she gets ignore the hair. fact that he left buffy and dawn to die in order to do it well but, you know, you know in a hole, to die to die he, in a hole with monsters know. he didn't know the monsters were there yet <laughs> and I, I i also think that that's very true to the series i don't think that it's out of place it is cliche and cheesy ch- sure but i don't think it's out of place because that's what this whole series has been about right. it's been about this group of friends who love each other and who um, are always willing to put their lives on the line for the betterment of the world, but more so for one another. And so I think that it works. I don't think it's out of place at all for the series. It's a little out of place in this season. Mm. I, I, I will say, if, we, if we're talking themes, and I were writing an essay... Uh, for a college class about <laughs> Buffy. What I might say about season six is it has two messages, uh, two themes. And one of them is what Steve 
cracked the code on earlier, which is that we're the real monsters, right? That humans, oh, no. humans are bad, right? Like we, we, we discussed that, like, oh, the, perhaps the most evil in the ma- is the, is, is Warren, right? Well, and not just that they're, they're, they're necessarily evil bad, but also they're horribly, horribly flawed. Exactly. And they can turn their own lives into hells and the lives of those around them as well. So I would say the other theme here, and this is all about Buffy coming to terms with being back alive and, and you're, you've got your life back. What are you going to do with it? And I think Xander standing there with Willow at the end is part of that theme because Xander, if Xander truly represents anything on the show, it's literally that he's just a guy. He has nothing. He has no powers. He, he, he's not a demon. He's not a witch. He's not a slayer. He's not a watcher. He's just... <laughs> he's not a man-witch. He's just a guy. <laughs> and that's the point is, yeah, humans are, are bad and awful and humans are also good. And in the end, that's what brings Willow back, is that her friend is there, and he's just a guy. He can't stop the end of the world, except through what he's got, which is love and caring for her. That's literally it. So that, that is, that's my essay. <laughs> and I also think it's a nice touch that the episode ends with Buffy and Dawn uh, clawing their way out of a hole in the earth once again. Mm-hmm. She's been reborn after discovering that, you know, she's got to live her life. You get an A on your paper too, Steve. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's also nice that maybe Dawn is going to be, uh, you know, leveled up. She's good with to, that sword. I've been watching. Yeah. You know, <laughs> she's really after wasted all, this season, isn't she? She's now at yep. the age of Buffy, you know, when Buffy started out all this... Uh, vampire slaying so hide you know pr- trying to protect her from bad things is is doesn't make sense i didn't even anymore. mention the shoplifting su- subplot and oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. you can tell they had no idea what they nope. were going to do with dawn this season they, All she they is never is figured that out yeah all right uh we've covered a lot um i i should ask now it's the open part of the uh the final <laughs> so like anything else you would like to talk about about season six uh now is the time before we go poor anya poor oh, oh, anya. poor anya yeah such yeah, a great I character mean, right i think i think she's more fun when she's miserable and angry but yeah. i also feel terrible for her because it's a great character and you know i, yeah. I don't want her to be miserable and angry even though it's hilarious because because uh, the actress is so great and and uh, that character is so fun but she goes through the ringer here yeah. Although yeah. that episode, that episode where she tries to get everybody to wish terrible things upon Xander. Um, yeah. <laughs> I really enjoy that. I think that that's a really funny episode. And they're all like, no, no, no. He, he did a it bad thing. It turns very but unfun at the end, I think. It does. But... It does. It goes to a very bad place at the end. Sort of like this whole it, season, right? It's it like, really does. It's <laughs> a good idea. Oh, now it's unpleasant. Oh. I, I, I dislike very much Xander leaving her at the altar. You know, sort of leaving her and then not leaving her and then leaving her again. Yeah. Because one of the, like the, his best character points in this season has been, yeah, he's got cold feet, but he always seems to find some way to get out of it. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it's it's really, I think, very out of character at the point where where he decides he's going to leave her, that he does it. I, I, it just, it doesn't fit at all with me. And that the wedding day thing too, I mean, that that whole episode, I think... The fact that you've got, you know, a bunch of humans and demons and they're calling them circus folk at the wedding is beyond belief, even for this show. Yeah. <laughs> and the, everybody applauding happily after Xander comes in and crushes the one guy's head with a column, <laughs> which uh. is amusing. But, you know, it's just uh, that episode, I think, is a mess. And yep. I don't love what they did to Xander there. The thing about that episode that also bothers me, in addition to what Steve said, is 
We finally get a fat character on the show who's not like a monster, and she's like not depicted super well, and I don't appreciate yeah. that. Don't love that at all. That I I feel like that whole um plot point is one of those things that made sense up on the whiteboard and then the detail work is is lacking which happens yeah. a lot in this season like you have those moments where like oh it's all misunderstanding it's this demon but it's it's not really xander from the future but he gets cold feet and it's like okay but it doesn't really fit with my understanding of xander that in the end he still runs away and it's off right it doesn't it's like i don't I don't think you sold it to me. I think you just needed it to happen, so you said it happened. But I don't. I don't think I. I bought that part, and and that was just more, you know, character assassination of your characters on your TV show. And honestly, that would have been a really, really good place to have a minor victory of them actually being happy. Yeah, yeah. I think the whole plotline is a mess because Xander as a character is set up to like be really scared of commitment, and like he has all these family issues in his past, and like that's all very well set up. And then they're like, okay, so at the end, he leaves Anya at the altar, but then he was like, okay, but first he has to propose. And so he, they have him propose, they have him go through all of his character growth to demonstrate that like he is with Anya, he is like an adult now, and they mature him. And then they're like, no, but he still has to leave her out at the altar though, because we decided that a while ago and we set this whole thing up, even though they ended up setting up in an opposite direction. And then they just they they went and they had two plotline ideas and they collided with each other and they just said oh well so two other episodes i wanted okay, to mention the stars one was Tell us one them. was the one was the last one with stars uh which was tabula rasa which i i really mm-hmm. enjoy i think that's a yeah. very good episode it's a fun comedy episode it has a very depressing ending but the episode itself is really good um i love spike and his his horrible suit uh, and Buffy announcing a vampire with a soul. Oh my God, how lame is that? Well, you guys are going to do it again. Okay, sure, why not? Um, but the image of Giles sword fighting a motion cap or a, a stop motion skeleton is forever embedded in my brain. <laughs> I just really dug that episode a lot. It's it was fun, and it was there. There too too few fun episodes in this season. Hmm. And then the other one I was going to mention was Gone, which I think is a pretty bad episode overall. And you can kind of tell they're like, oh, well, we had the fun episode where everybody couldn't talk. So let's do an episode where our main character isn't even there. And it doesn't really work. And the scene where she makes the social worker think she's crazy is not really cute. Mm-hmm. It's really just kind of cruel and awful. Um, but I, I, I have to give props to the fight scene at the end that's nothing but just fast pans back and forth. <laughs> which is supposed to be invisible people fighting, but really it's just the camera moving back and forth. What I do like in that episode is that Buffy cuts her hair herself, and then she gets it fixed, and then she's invisible, so we can't see her haircut. And the first thing that Willow says is, nice haircut. (laughs) That's classic humor, Buffy style, and I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, that one's a swing and a miss. Oh, and the only other thing I wanted to mention is I kind of love Spike's demon pal, Clem. Clem. He's kind of favorite, yeah. favorite oh. character of this episode. Oh, I <laughs> love Clem. sweet. Yeah, he's... He, he, babysits, uh, he babysits Dawn at the end, and, and he's got bugles. Uh, they can play Parcheesi. <laughs> he's doing the taste test. Oh, Nacho man. cheese Doritos. Oh, God. I, and now, I, I would play poker for kittens. I would just like to keep <laughs> the kittens that I win. And... No, no. Yeah, I'm happy they kittens. never show us what it is they do with the kittens. Nope. No, they say like... they're going to eat them. I do they say that? Yeah. I think they do. They say yeah. it. I mean, it's implied, certainly. I don't remember it's, hearing it. it. I mean, what TV show has, has like, you know, the the nerve to 
talk about eating kittens. That's probably never been done before or since. Steve, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some good news about season seven. Okay. We'll see Clem again. We'll see Clem again. Oh Clem. Clem. Clem Happy the floppy it. demon. I love it. That gives me something to look look forward to. I love it's Clem. A skin condition. I can't believe condition. nobody mentioned that there's that episode where Riley comes back. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. Best forgotten. Oh. Well, it does have the the great line where he says, like, you know, oh, it was nice to see you and he's like, I'm sure I softened the blow with my total patheti- pathetic patheticness. Cause he comes to double meat palace. Like you have to admit that's like yeah. the classic Oh yeah. Uh, worst case uh, under which you would like to see your ex show up. At. Right. This is where she walks out of Double Meat Palace, right? This is the end of that. Yeah. The scene also has, it does have the um, Buffy breaking up with Spike, which is a good moment. Um, and the helicopter lifting them out of sight uh. at the end is utterly hilarious. Oh. It's so oh, bad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so bad. Oh, I do it's really bad. like Willow in this episode telling Buffy that she will be petty for her and that she will contain yeah. all of all of the hate for Riley's wife. And the very end of the episode, her being so sweet and like, oh, my God, it was so great to meet you. And then turns to Buffy. What a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it's over. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. still there, though. Could go back and watch it again. I can't recall whether I liked season seven better than season six or not. Honestly, I haven't really revisited either of them since they aired. Yeah, same here. So I have this feeling like about season seven, the one same as I had about six, which is that I didn't love it. And I found it, you know, I don't want to watch it again, but I will because I ended up liking six better, better. the second time around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's more in there, but also I was reminded it, it was not the thing I was hoping, which is like, oh, wow, it turns out it no, it doesn't turn out. It, it it's still not <laughs> it's still really dark and and awful in a lot of ways, but better than I remember. Season six is a bunch of pretty good ideas that then get throttled by bad ideas, and it's all just really sad to watch. Yeah, and some bad execution thrown in, and then and also mm-hmm. a musical. <laughs> I actually think I'm starting to come down on the side of sort of liking it. <laughs> I mean, it's not yeah. a pleasant experience, and it's not really a Buffy the Vampire experience, but it was, I liked it a little bit. <laughs> I don't yeah, know why. Except for all those parts that are the, well, I, I, seriously, I do think that the last three episodes are pretty good, and I see why they were trying to go there, but like some of the specific choices that they make along the way are really mistakes, and and to the point of when we were talking about the, the episode Normal again, and to the point where uh, Giles talks in in a grave in the last episode with Buffy about what was going on in the season, it almost feels, I mean, I don't know if it's a good sign that this show specifically seems to have contempt for what it's doing, but <laughs> it does feel a little bit like the writers felt it was out of control and they knew mm-hmm. it and they wanted to show that they knew it, but they felt powerless to stop it because they'd all decided that this was the story arc because it's well, very weird. The last episode, it's a little late. <laughs> yeah. It's but... very weird in episode. Well, but in episode 17 and 22, you're like, wow, this is not great. <laughs> like, okay. But for that reason, their little laughing spell they have is nicely cathartic. Well, it, it's it true. does kind of take some of the, some of the tension out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. They know they know they screwed it up. Well, yep. at least there's yeah. that. <sighs> I still like Double Me Palace though. That made me laugh. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we have one more season to do. One more season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and then it's all over. But until then, let's wrap it up. I want to thank my panel for being here. Aline Sims, thank you. 
Onward. <laughs> Onward indeed. <laughs> Jean McDonald, thank you. Thank you, Jason, for uh, for having me and for getting us to keep watching Buffy. Keep on watching. Now we're now on, on UPN. Quinn Rose, thank you. I only died twice while recording this. <laughs> Just going to keep bringing you back. And Steve Lutz, thank you. Jason, you put the beef on the grill, hit the button, then it beeps. You flip the beef, hit the other button, then it beeps. You put it on the bun. There's, there's not no, a button no for button that. No button for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I've been your host, Jason Snell. We will see you next time on The Incomparable. That'll put marzipan in your pie plate, bingo. 